How are you? Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for writing your blog. I think that's, I don't oh. know how I found you. I think, oh, you know what? I was looking for recipes <clears throat> on how to feed my child for baby led weaning <laughs> and your right. site came up. And that's mm -hmm. how I found you. Wow, my hair is really, really frizzy. Well, oh, it worry. is what it is. <laughs> don't worry. But I came across yeah. your site, and it has so many great recipes. And I'm Thank vegan, you. and I like running. And I was like, oh, this is great. And I got a bunch of good recipes on it. And I signed up for your newsletter. And now we're doing a mm -hmm. podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's very cool. <laughs> Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Alina. I just, uh, I, I, you, you helped me through a difficult time of trying to figure out what to cook for a baby because. It's... Oh, so, so you found that helpful? Did you yeah. make some of those things? Oh, yeah, great. I made some that's of the recipes. Yeah. So that was like helpful. And then I just signed up to your newsletter, and I love getting it. Um, it's like a monthly. Thanks. Is it weekly? No, it's monthly. I do it weekly. You yeah. do it weekly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is I like, like the the one thing that I have patience for, like aside from running the actual blog like i have less and less patience for social media i know because it is ridiculously hard to get any traction or any feedback like instagram in particular so like i i think i haven't i posted on instagram today but i think it was the first time in a month and of course the algorithm gods don't like it yeah. Uh, but like, I, I just want to live my life sometimes. I don't want to <laughs> document it and share it every single moment. Yeah. You know, I think that's such a great conversation because <clears throat> I'm in the same boat. It's like, how do I get my message out on my uh, podcast without having to be on social? Like, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm recording these videos and it's like, how much of your life do you want to share? I feel like now it's like you either have to be a Kardashian where you're just like, here's my fifth child to the world. Watch my life. Yeah. Or like you just go off social media like Leonardo DiCaprio or you're like somewhere in between where you're an influencer and you're just like committed to sharing your whole entire life. And and I don't know. I think it's so nice to just enjoy life. Like the older yeah. I get, oh, I just I just really like being present and I like not that many people knowing my business. <laughs> <laughs> Except for when your business is like the kind that you want to be out there, you need people's eyes on it or people's yeah. ears yeah yeah it's yeah, like it's... you need a social media manager to really like beat the algorithms um this is where i plug my friend's company freelancing females and she was on my podcast earlier and mm -hmm. tia is phenomenal so they have a lot of social media editors and stuff um and and curators but but yeah man social is like a full-time job and i think if you're a parent and I find it hard because all the content that I have right now is like my baby photos and I don't really want my kid on like yes, I posted her yes. photo online mm -hmm. today and then I was like oh I kind of feel dirty about it like it's, it's like a baby thirst trap <laughs> yes when I uh, was pregnant and like was about to have my daughter she's four now she just turned four oh, um, okay. so I was thinking about it like how do I want to go with this like do I want to turn my blog into like a mommy blog, like a vegan mommy blog? But that would also suggest that, you know, I would have to show my daughter or talk about her a lot. And I did always want to do that. And so now I talk about her less and post her pictures less and less, even though like I would love to. But to me, it just doesn't feel safe in some respects. And also, it's a matter of consent. Right now, yes. she can't give me 
full consent for like maybe when she's 18 she'll be like oh why did you do that i hate it which i've heard happens to some bloggers and influencers that their kids don't want to do anything with yeah. social media they're they're adults you know they eventually become like little adults like i think kids are like self-sufficient at the age of like eight to an extent you know what i mean mm-hmm. like their consciousness kicks in and they're like this is what i want this is what i don't want and you have to respect that and i think I think there's something that happens that like really also warps the child's mind when you put them onto social media. Like I see a lot of kids who are like, who want to be like kid actors or kid models, mm-hmm. and they're just like trained little like trained little tiny performers, and they're just like conditioned to act for the camera, and it's not healthy. Oh yeah. So, you know, there's that. It's like it how are you shaping your child's view of themselves and the world every time they see a phone every time they see a camera mm-hmm. you know yeah i was just looking up this um this little girl that my daughter follows not follows so much but like she watches some of her videos on youtube um don't remember exactly it's her and her little brother and they have like 16 million subscribers on youtube they have like crazy Instagram and everything and like the videos like to me they just look silly but for my daughter it's it's amazing it's you know like they run around and talk in like cartoon voices and like there are these funny sounds and visual effects happening and so I I'm just to think of like so their parents have documented their life like forever and I think they are getting a little bit older now, but so they're the parents probably realize that okay, we are going kind of aging out of this target audience. And so as I was researching, not not researching so much, but just looking up their Instagram, I noticed that they have a baby brother who was just born. And I don't know, I'm, I'm a terrible person, but I just thought, oh, I wonder if just they're like creating a replacement. Yes. It's like, but yeah. you know, but then you start getting into like Britney Spears territory where mm-hmm. like she's like drugged and she's just like performing all the time. And you become mm-hmm. like a performing, performing monkey, really. Like, you know, those like little circus monkeys and like little circus mm-hmm. bears, you know, performing bear where you're just trapped. And, and you don't know what the real life is. Like yeah. in case of Britney Spears, like I heard yeah. that back in the day, she didn't even know how to like use Google, like how to look something up on Google. Yeah. So some of your friends that were like curated by her parents were allowed to show her. And so, yeah, like you're totally not prepared to the real world yeah. doing basic things. Yeah. And I think it's such a different thing with Britney, right? Like she just becomes a cash cow but then there's so mm-hmm. many other questions too like what is her mental state like nobody really knows mm-hmm. her mental state like we're all like free Brittany, but then we're like mm-hmm. i don't know how far gone she is like is she gone like i'm all up for freeing her but but i think it's such a more complicated and nuanced conversation mm-hmm. than than that i mean obviously she doesn't you know definitely not need no need for like the crazy conservatorship that she has and she definitely needs to have her own decisions and be able to go get her IUD out and have more children mm-hmm. and do whatever she wants but well now it's gone they've just terminated it like, I, I think last like, Friday or so 
and yeah, I'm I'm very glad for her. Obviously, I, know. I, know. I just and now hope... she got married, and I'm like, who is this guy? Do I trust him? I don't trust him. How did, did they she... already marry? They just got married. <laughs> like, I think I think they're getting oh married, or there's uh-huh. like there's already it's it's too soon. It's like there's uh-huh. the conservatorship is on. There's like a ring on her finger. I don't I don't I'm I'm weary. Yeah. I wish her the best. It's yeah. I I just hope that all the people who have been like free Britney and everything, like all her fans, that now that they would give her some space to, you know, navigate her own life and yeah. not like hide in the bushes for every step she takes and jump out, you know. Yeah. Because yeah, all right, thank you for helping her uh get free, but you know, also give her some privacy. But yeah. we don't know. I guess time will show. I don't know. It's like it's just a really weird world we live in. Like I think technology isn't just making it weird and in media and all this and like you know i'm sure britney had a dream of like being a child star or something but then somewhere along the road it just got it got derailed but i'm 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 also derailing here and i was gonna ask you (laughs) what Mm -hmm. is your dream as a kid did you have one growing up uh you know i don't think i had one big dream that like took over my consciousness i think i had like little things here and there there were a lot of things that uh were like the opposite of dreams i think like things that i never thought would be possible like so i was i was born in the ussr uh shortly before it dissolved and so it was growing up in the 90s over there and uh i remember the times when like there wasn't much stuff to buy in stores, not just food, but, you know, kids' toys, everything. But we had ads on TV for, like, Barbie dolls and, like, Disneyland trips and, like, all that kind of stuff. And to me, those things were, like, because I never saw them, like, in stores or, like, I didn't know anybody who have ever gone has ever gone to Disney World. So to me, that was, like, like going to the moon or owning something i don't know a private island like something that would never happen Mm -hmm. so i didn't even dream about it although i did dream about having a barbie yeah that yeah maybe that's a little bit more attainable but going to disneyland or you know going to the u.s to visit let alone to live that was something i never dreamed of i just didn't think that was possible so i guess I, I, so I can't say like I am living my wildest dreams because I didn't have the, those wildest dreams. I mean, I'm grateful to how it worked out that now I live here. I get to call this country my home and I, I'm very glad about it. Uh, yeah, but so it's beyond my wildest dreams. I guess. Does your daughter <laughs> play with Barbies? I haven't, uh, she doesn't have any yet, but she has expressed some interest because she's like played with uh, Barbies that other girls had, like some of her friends or somebody she met at the playground. And so, yeah, she just, she says like, I want this, I want that. So, but I try not to uh, like expose her too much to it, even though she still somehow gets all of that like exposure. Like it's, it's funny because when I was pregnant and when she was first born, 
I didn't want to buy anything pink, none of the girly girl things at all. Uh, my grand, my uh, mother-in-law, like she really, you know, was of the opposite opinion. And so she, she did get her a bunch of pink things, which I reluctantly, you know, dressed her in every now and then. And, but then she started going to daycare um, and just socializing with other kids more. And so today, I, I let her dress herself and she will get dressed like head to toe pink. And she is like the girliest girl ever. She she bugs me for like, mommy, I want makeup. I want uh, like nail polish and stuff. And like, there is no way. I am so not ready to give any of that to her. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting how that happens. And, you know, I grew up in Russia too, but I grew up mm -hmm. there in the 80s. We left in 89, right before the collapse. Mm -hmm. And I was eight, I think seven. And... Uh, and Barbie was such a huge symbol of capitalism, like, mm -hmm. because it's all the rich girls, whoever had money, they had Barbies. So like, okay. Barbie mm -hmm. was like a really stat, a big status symbol in Russia. Mm -hmm. And so was bubblegum. Like oh, if you were yeah. popping bubblegum, that was a big deal. But the girls who would have bubblegum, they would sh like chew that same piece of bubblegum for like a year. <laughs> so like, they never threw out the bubblegum. They would just like <laughs> chew yeah. this piece just to blow bubbles until it like you know like became like cement in your mouth <laughs> but but I remember how like I wanted a Barbie when I saw a Barbie I was like what is that and then I was like oh oh she has boobs oh my god this is like this it, it almost felt like illicit to play with because like uh -huh. it didn't look like me like I was like I am playing with a woman and I'm a little girl <laughs> like mm -hmm. should I be okay. playing with a woman this, like I don't have boobs but my doll has boobs. Yeah, so but at least like, you had that thought. Yeah. And I was like, and I was mm -hmm. like, this is weird. But then it was like, it, I, again, back to capitalism in a in a communist country. It's like the capitalism call is so strong, right? Disney World, Barbie, like all of these capitalist brands. Like I was in love with Mickey Mouse, mm -hmm. and I dream. You know, I've never been to Disneyland. Still, I'm waiting. I haven't I either. <laughs> One day, one yeah. day, yeah, I'm sure. like, what? But it just, it, it just seems like this really, you know, unrealistic capitalist dream, especially if you're a little poor girl growing up in, in communist Russia. And that's like a whole entire separate podcast as well, you know, like oh, yeah. What, yeah. what you dream of. I but, think there's uh, just like, uh, yeah, there's definitely books to be written about that subject. Uh, a little while ago, I read this book for by uh, Anya von Bremsen. Her name is uh, I don't know if you've ever heard. She's a f food writer. She's written for like big time uh, publications, and she has a few cookbooks. Uh, but she was also born and raised um, uh, in the USSR. I think her family left like her mother and her, just the two of them. I think they left in like mid 70s and so this book that she has um, she tried this project with her mom that every decade of the 20th century they would pick one dish that was like a big deal during that decade in Russia and they would cook that thing in that chapter and of course there were like all kinds of stories around it too and it was just so fascinating to me, for me to read. It, it, it is amazing. 
It's Ooh. called um, something like Mastering the Art of Soviet Cooking. Kind of like uh, a play on that Julia Child book, mm-hmm. like Mastering the Art of French Cooking. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, my gosh, so I'll have to check it out. Yeah, my mom, it's, it's so it's funny, amazing. my mom still like my mom tries to get me to cook like Russian foods for my baby and I'm like stop I didn't like them in Russia Russia like we're not known for cuisine okay uh-huh. like yeah like I'm gonna and my mom is like oh you're you're raising your child vegan and I'm like well I'm trying I mean I, I give her like I mean I'm guilty of giving her like chicken and bison and, and salmon <coughs> and cheese cheese is like crack it's it's like crack because right now I just want her to have the enzymes <laughs> yeah and I mm-hmm. want her to make up her own mind, too, because I'm realizing she's she's her own person. So I'm like, well, I'll give her the enzymes. Because I remember my friend Noah, when we were in high school, he grew up vegan, and he was like 18 mm-hmm. years old, and he was like, I just want to eat meat, but my parents never gave me the enzymes, so I throw up every time I eat, like, a steak. Oh, really? I never thought about it that way. So I was uh, like, mm-hmm. I, I just remember that conversation with Noah. I was like, I have to give my child like i gotta check the science on that too but i i think it's uh i don't know if it's enzymes in particular but it could be and i'm not a dietitian but i'm just speculating that it could be some some bacteria that lives in our gut so like the what we eat is you know creating an environment for a certain type of bacteria to to grow so like if we eat meat there'll be meat processing bacteria if we eat lots of like fruits and vegetables, it'll be that kind of bacteria. And it's a different conversation about how, like what's better for us, of course. But yeah, maybe like if he he threw up because he didn't have any of that bacteria at all, but maybe if he kept, kept eating, strange thing coming from a, right. <laughs> a vegan person. Right? I don't know. I don't know. I yeah, know. I I've known some people whose kids grew up vegan and then chose to eat meat after afterwards as adults. I haven't heard any like about any kind of health issues they had after that. But yeah, that's how I'm raising my daughter. Um, so we chose for her to be vegan because we were vegan. All right, so she was born in 2017, um, and my husband and I went vegan in 2013. So we cho- it was like a no-brainer for us, uh, but it's also it comes down to consent. Like right now, we as parents think it, that's what's best for her, but then when she grows up, she will have her own opinion. You know, if, it's, if she wants to eat meat, then like we can't make her like, not to eat meat. I hope she doesn't, but who knows. She's yeah. It's interesting. She's now entering that stage where she's beginning to ask questions about like, "Mommy, why do people eat meat?" Um, And uh, so it's kind of like not. It's simple, but also not so simple to answer because like I don't want her to be mad at like her grandparents or cousins when she sees them eating meat. Um, I don't, <laughs> no, you you definitely know, don't want to that. <laughs> yeah, but so you kind of have to be diplomatic about it, but also, um, I don't know, we will, so we're going to um, like a little family reunion for my husband's side of the family for Thanksgiving. Um, and so that will be an interesting thing to see because like for the longest time like all the thanksgivings 
during Thanksgiving, we stayed home. And so, because we didn't have any family living around us uh, back when we lived in Washington, and we just moved to Virginia and we still don't have any family here. Um, but it was just the three of us usually, and we would cook an all vegan Thanksgiving, and that would be fine. But now that we're going somewhere that's my brother in law's house, so like I don't get to call the shots. So yeah. I can demand that there is no meat. And I know that, I think they already purchased a turkey. And I know that I can't like, get all indignant about it too, because it's it's family. And I know people who do, who like really can't tolerate that, and they get in these nasty arguments with uh, their families. And so it's a, it's a choice, of course. But I just... Mm. I just hope we don't have any of that. It's, it's funny. I, another story. Um, so my uh, in-laws were visiting us over the summer, back when we were in Washington. And we went out to eat with them to like a diner that had some vegan options, but mostly non-vegan stuff. And so my uh, father-in-law ordered a fried fish sandwich. And Juli- Juliana, my daughter, like as she heard him say that she was like grandpa you're going to eat fish what oh grandpa you're just kidding she was just so cute (laughs) oh my god that's so cute well you know that's a that's a really interesting question right when your child asks you why do people eat meat like what is your what is your answer my answer like what i tell her is that like I think just this past weekend, because she asked that she has asked it more than once. So this past weekend, I said something like that. It comes down to tradition. It's because like when like grandma and grandma grandpa were growing up, their mommy and daddy gave them meat to eat, and when their parents were growing up, their mommy and daddy gave them meat, and so people just grow up eating meat and they don't always think about like the things that like our family thinks about like concerns about whether it's animal welfare like, like what right do we have to tell another living being to you know you know what you're gonna you go on my sandwich like do we really have that right and then there's also all considerations like health and environment so yeah, so that's uh, that's a good one. Yeah, it comes down to tradition, basically. That's a really that's a really great way of <coughs> answering a child's question because I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to have this conversation with my child, mm-hmm. and I was going to frame it around um, just the history of man, right? Evolution mm-hmm. of how you know in the caveman days you had to have the most calories, so you had to hunt and you had to spend all this energy, and you have to like you know m- murder things and, and eat mm-hmm. them and. And, and like now technology has evolved and we have so many like meat substitutes and we've evolved to not be a hunting and gathering. <laughs> yeah, we can get all of the calories yeah. we want like without even getting off the couch. Plants and like and, and also living a compassionate lifestyle, which really wasn't a choice. Like, you know, mm-hmm. both of our parents, you know, we grew up in Russia in in the former USSR and there was no food. So, you know, I was reading your story, how you came, you know, your mom came home with that old chicken. Yeah, the little blue chickens in Russia, like, that were old, 
-hmm. like you were lucky if you got that it's not mm -hmm. like you know you had a whole foods and you had to stand in line for it so so they ate just whatever they had but yeah. now especially with our new generation of babies um i think our kids are called generation alpha those are kids born between 2017 and 2020 that's, okay. that's generation uh -huh. alpha and they're going to be the most um technologically advanced and the most materialistically wealthy generation like even beyond the millennials mm -hmm. so i was reading all of these predictions like they're saying that they're going to experience a lot more climate change in their lifetime which is you know as a result of um, non-vegan practices cows contribute to so much pollution even more than like cars yeah so <clears throat> it's it's like it's interesting to see what this alpha generation is going to inherit because the millennials are kind of looked at as like um just kind of like being selfish in a weird way and in a weird way they are in a weird way they're not and they're saying that the alpha generation is going to be even more selfish just because of all the things that they have and and just just the way life is going and it's really interesting like i'm i'm really interested in looking at all these studies you know i think it's really easy to analyze boomers and generation z and also generation x Mm -hmm. but it's like what is happening in the world and how are these babies going to be affected by it because it's a crazy world right now yeah it's 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 really like really saddens me to see that it's not like global warming is not something that we read about in newspapers or online mm -hmm. but it's something that we actively see and there were a, a few events in my um adult life in the past few years that kind of brought me to the thought that I won't have any more children like we were kind of on the fence with my husband after our daughter was born like it was it was really hard for us um, just emotionally and not having any family around to help or anything yeah, I bet. so uh, so we were kind of on the fence whether or not we should have another another child but then uh, I think it was in 2019 or, or 18 that there was this uh, fire in the Amazon. I remember that like you could see it from outer space. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, it yes. was like a huge thing, and that got me so sad that I thought, well, this is actively happening, and it's just gonna keep going. This, so I'm. Probably like you know, 30, 40, 50 years from now, I will feel bad for my daughter that I brought her into that this world. And so like if I were to have another kid, then I would have to feel bad for two people. So, but like they I, won't be alone. On the bright side, she'll have a buddy well, to like be in this <laughs> burning world in. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's yeah, good. Yeah, I, I, I know. Yeah. It's, 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 it's sad. You know, we so we just moved from Washington State, and I I just I, I really love that area. We spent seven years there, and just so beautiful. It's just amazing. Um, but the past few summers, towards the end of the summer, early fall, we would have at least a week or two of those the the fire smoke just coming over. Thankfully, we didn't have any fires like next door to us. Like we never had to evacuate. But the smoke from nearby fires came over and just sat like a, you know, a big bubble over like Seattle and uh, the northern parts of uh, Washington where we sat. 
And not just that, but like all over Oregon and California, like last year's in particular was just, it was horrible. And we couldn't get out uh, of, of home for like a good week and a half or two weeks. I taped up all the windows and doors to prevent that smoky air from coming in and you'd still smell mm-hmm. smoke. Yeah, I had this fan that I uh, taped a big filter, you know, one of those air filters I taped to it. And so it just ran for like a few days. And I was shocked to see how that white fan got black with all the taped windows, without us opening anything, going anywhere. It still got black. And so to think of like that we breathe this stuff and it's, it's really bad for us. So, yeah. What part of Washington were you in? Were you... It was uh, just outside of Seattle, Whidbey Island. Uh, It's like straight to the north of Seattle, about 40-minute drive. Yeah, because I was like, Mm -hmm. I wonder how close to Seattle or if you're closer Mm -hmm. to Portland, because my editor was in Portland. Okay. And there were some days where she was like, I can't edit. (laughs) Everything is like, you know, like the fires are approaching. I'm packing up my car. And I was like, oh, my God, are you okay? Jenny, are you okay? Like, it's scary. It's really scary, you know, like, especially Mm -hmm. when your friends and the people that you care about are just, you know, at the mercy of these conditions and, uh, and, and you're far away and you can't really do anything. And you're like, ah, you're just kind of like, it's again, going back to social, right? You're just watching all of this unfold in real time on social and on the news. And it's like, it's just, it's, it's really, really intense. And, Mm -hmm. and you know like i i mean i've been vegan for the last six years i've Mm -hmm. had some cheese i will say i've had Mm -hmm. some cheese and cheese is like crack like if i have a little (laughs) bite then i'm like oh i want more like i'm like itching i'm like oh give me some more (laughs) like it's just what's your favorite you know i don't go too crazy i just like just a little cheddar cheese like i just Mm -hmm. um introduced cheddar cheese uh, like a month ago into my kids diet and i and Mm -hmm. there was like extra and i was like i feel bad throwing it out because mm-hmm. it's like cow's milk that this mama cow worked really hard. Like if you don't, okay, to the people listening, if you don't know how milk is made, it's really inhumane. Basically cows are impregnated so they can keep on lactating all the time. And then their little babies are taken away from them and used for like, uh, you know, veal or whatever, or turned into more milk cows or, or used for meat. So this little mama cow is just always pregnant and like she gets pus in there and they bleach the milk and it's it's a really gnarly inhumane process. So I really avoid all cheese products, even if they're organic and whatever. It's just it's gnarly and I feel really bad for the animals. And if you spend some time around a farm, cows are so cute and so cuddly and so sweet. They're dumb then they pollute the air, but they're so cute. And, um, you know, I think we see them as food but they're not really food. It's like we see them as food because we're a highly evolved creature. And like, imagine if like highly evolved creatures came to earth and they were like, hey humans, you're dumb, but you're delicious. Yeah. So like, oh, we're, yeah. Just, we're just gonna like treat you like, like you are an animal. <clears throat> and animals don't even deserve being treated like an animal. They're our friends. Yeah, that um, was, yeah. Uh, sorry. <laughs> like I'm like, I'm like digressing. For, for me, like how uh, I, eventually decided to go vegan. Like I've had thoughts about it uh, all my life, ever since I was a child. Uh, like just thinking of like 
meat comes from animals and I love animals and it's unfair and, and hurts them to be killed, obviously. So I had those thoughts, but at the same time, like I was told, you have to eat meat. It's, you know, if you don't, then you'll, you know, break in half and wither away or whatever. So, so I continued and, but, but still I couldn't answer to myself, like, what's the justification? Is it fair that we kill them and we eat them? And eventually I just came to accept it that no, there's no justification. There's just no justification. I think it would be justifiable if before we all born, if we were in this like, I don't know, pre-birth purgatory or whatever, including all, all the creatures, people, cows, like crickets, everybody. And we were told, okay, so you can choose who you can be born as. So we have, uh, so there's a cow, um, a cow needs to be born. Uh, you'll live a pretty miserable life and you'll be killed and you'll be eaten. Who, like out of all you guys here, all the people in the purgatory, who, oh, not people, the souls, who wants to do this? And somebody says, okay, I'll go. So I consent. And so that soul is born as that cow. And that's the life they have. And that's they, uh, they were, you know, eventually killed and eaten. But they gave their consent. But in real life, that doesn't happen that way. In real life, we are, we don't get to choose what we are born. Like we are lucky that to be born as people. And we are lucky that we're not usually a part of, uh, you know, a food chain, unless you're like in Alaska, <laughs> but, uh, or Australia, yeah. Australia, or, is kind of low yeah. on the food chain too. Yeah. or some parts of Africa. Like, yeah. yeah. It's so, a free for all. It's like, Hey, lots of right. poisonous things here. But like on an average day, like I never have to be concerned that like I'll be eaten and you know, killed and eaten. Like I, I just, it's never a concern on my mind. Right. You know what? So it we are me, really lucky to be born this we way. We really are, but it made me realize that, you know, on a weird, like, survivalist level, like, that's what social media is becoming. <laughs> you know, it's becoming, it's it's like social media is becoming a hunt. Like, you find things on it, you forage, you like things, and then, like, maybe, like, a group kill is, like, when you cancel everyone. <laughs> when, like, the pack gangs up on a person, and they're like, we're just going to cancel them. And that's like, that's like a pack of hyenas, like, you know, like, taking down a gazelle or something. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it becomes like that. a very like hunting hunting method, but um, but I was gonna also ask you, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what is your advice for staying fit as a mom? Ah, uh, oh gosh, well, uh, like my I think my uh, my example may not be the best because uh, like I've never had like huge problems with. Uh, staying fit but then again like what do we define as being mm-hmm. fit is it like like not being overweight or whatever or right. that's a good like question just being whatever size you are but just being active mm-hmm. and eating well you just so happen that you're not like a stick figure you, yeah you know whatever, whatever fit i guess means to each yeah. one of us right because fit is like a very personal question yeah, and then there is also mental health. We can't pass that because we can eat and exercise all we want, but if our mental health is not great, then yeah, 
it's not going to end well or it's not going to go well. Uh, so for me, uh, uh, when, I, my, when my daughter was born, I knew that I wasn't going to be able to go to the gym for a very long time because uh, so we lived on an island and there were only a couple gyms in, in within a driveway distance um, and none of them had any kind of child care so I knew all right no more gyms and before that I would go to the gym like four or five times a week for like for years mm-hmm. so what I did was uh, I got like an exercise mat kind of like a yoga mat but a little thicker and but bigger, so it's pretty mm-hmm. big. Uh, and I got a couple of dumbbells and kettlebell, and, um, like an exercise ball, like those kind of things. And I just figured out some workout routines to do. And I tried to do them when I could. Like at first it was like whenever, like if my daughter went to sleep and if I wasn't like a zombie, if I had it in me, okay, I'll, I'll do that workout. If not, then yeah, I'd go take a nap too. Uh, then as she grew, we were able to get more into a, a routine. So I would just get up earlier if I could like sleep through the night and get a decent sleep. So it was a little easier to get up early and work out before she woke up. So I would do that a couple times a week. And then I tried to start running also like once or twice a week. Uh, for, for a while, I was doing like two workouts and two runs per week but I think it was a little too much for me because like I've noticed some issues with my health not like anything big but Mm -hmm. just it was like more tired and I felt like my joints were kind of cranky so I don't know maybe it's just a part of getting older (laughs) my knees are going I feel that now that like I'm in my 40s like if I run like six like five or five miles like two days in a row like my my knees let me know that they're not happy. It's, yeah. It's really trippy. It's, yeah, it's kind of sad to see how it's happening, right? It's like you never thought that would happen. Like you were a young person for, you know, so long. And then all of a sudden there are other young people in your, you know. <laughs> and there's Generation <sighs> Alpha. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. With no creaky bones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you it's know, trippy. I'm a little jealous of this new generation, not the the Gen Alpha, because they're still too little, but uh, that's Gen Z, right? After millennials. Yeah. Yeah, there are some things that they won't experience that we experienced that it's kind of sad. But at the same time, there are things that they don't have to worry that we worried, like all the, like, you know, to girls that messaging that you have to stay skinny no matter right. what like all the dieting advice from everywhere like fad diets and all, all that and i just remember growing up it took so much of my you know the effort to i put so much effort into like, paying attention to that and trying to maintain that that today the body positivity movement pretty much did away with that. Mm-hmm. And so you can be any size and you can wear anything that you're comfortable with. And I honestly think it's great. 
because that frees up so much of that effort that I used to put in this. But now that they have that energy to, you know, they can put it into anything else. Like they totally. Could... Totally. Yeah, yeah, I used to be a little bulimic too. And I mean, like going from communist Russia where you had no food and then mm-hmm. going into capitalism where you had everything. And then I quickly put on weight because I was eating bad foods like pizza and stuff. So mm-hmm. and then like I kind of ballooned. So by the age of like 12, I was really chubby. So going from like being a skinny little blue chicken to like a chubby little human at 12 and then kind of entering teenagehood like 13 14 and then realizing oh i'm fat i don't i'm Mm self-conscious and you're looking at music videos that were like you know like skinny people and then you had this was the time of the supermodels too so you had Mm -hmm. linda evangelista you had cindy crawford so Mm -hmm. you know like i was bulimic for a while and then i was anorexic for a while and then i started like to kind of just like you know kind of like get comfortable in my body and I was like okay this isn't like I think by 1450 and like I like 1450 and I was doing it and then around 16 I I just kind of snapped out of it I don't remember it's going to be interesting to dig around to think about what caused me to like snap out of it but I I just started um because I went vegetarian at 12 because I got freaked out by lamb because I love lamb let me tell you lamb ribs I love lamb ribs and I was eating it one day and I was like at a barbecue at my uncle's house and I was like what are ribs made out of and he was like lamb and I was like oh no <laughs> I was like I can't be eating a lamb and that's when I went like vegetarian mm-hmm. and um oh 60 you know what it is 16 I found music and I got really into this was my answer I got really into music into punk rock and hardcore and I found like a little scene and uh, I just realized I had to eat healthy and I discovered uh, veganism through all the music, like Earth Crisis and stuff. And uh, and I just got a bunch of like awesome, cool new friends and I started being really into veganism. And I, re- wow, I've never realized that before. So my attention completely snapped from like being a part of mass media, you know, the programming that I was told to just like kind of going into like this counterculture scene and finding like people like me in a home and like, finding body positivity in a weird way. Mm -hmm. Wow, I never thought about it that way because I didn't have like a tribe. I didn't have like my my clique. That blows my mind. That that that's a huge thing that like having people that in your circle that you can relate to. Yes, it's it's huge that especially for young people, we are influenced so much by what's going on around us. If like all our friends are dieting then we're going to diet too right right but oh i remember where i went off on a tangent so we were talking about body positivity right and how wonderful it is but i also want to point out that it's also a double-edged sword these days too because now we have instagram which is contributing to like dysmorphia and girls with um filters and also Mm -hmm. with weight so on one hand it's like we have this amazing body positivity movement and on the other hand you have like instagram literally contributing to like depression in girls and uh and i was just reading that tiktok was giving girls um tics oh there i think was, i like, heard a, that there uh-huh. was like a whole i think it was the wall street journal that wrote about it i forget where i was reading it but they um did a whole study of girls who were coming in with like tourettes and tics and uh it was caused by like pandemic and tiktok because you can go down a rabbit hole of just like looking into like um 
like Tourette's TikToks and girls were kind of like giving themselves these diseases and like self quantifying themselves and qualifying themselves, which I thought it was like fascinating. I was like, yeah, the effects of women are always the ones to suffer, you know, whether it's a war, communism or social media, um, women are always and, and girls are the ones to suffer. Technology, mm-hmm. war, right? War is created by men, white men, mostly, <laughs> you know, like, and and social media, it's technology. It's mostly like a white man thing. And yeah, who gets my husband says from? every now and then that if the world was run by women, this would be such a much, much better place. We would be Iceland. Yeah, I love would... Iceland. I've never been actually. I really want to go there. So oh, I, I want to. Yeah, it, it's run by women. Because mm-hmm. all the yeah. men used to go fishing, so the women were like, "Okay, well, we're running the country while you're away. Bye." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. <clears throat> but yeah, but yeah, staying fit as a mom, it's really hard. Um, and I think that's good advice. You know, just you know, like. Um, where do you find your routines? Uh, just by trying something, and then if something works, like, then trying to do more of that. And I'm always a work in progress. Like, like I can have like a few months of really good eating habits and exercising, and then maybe something will go off the rails and it would be really hard to get back into it. Like right now I'm kind of getting into that. So like when we moved to Virginia in early September, we got rid of so much of our things, including some of my exercise equipment. So now I need to buy some, like it's not much, but at least like dumbbells and stuff. So I need to buy that, but it's, also not something so urgent that like I'd go to right and buy it right now. There are other things. And so that's put away. Then when we moved here, we lived in an apartment in a different part of the city. Um, and uh, my daughter and I would go running in the morning two, three times a week. I'd just put her in, uh, uh, in the stroller and we'd just go around. And that was that was very nice but then we moved into this different house and it's a different neighborhood and we have to start our routine from scratch and i haven't like just as we moved here two weeks ago both of us both me and her got came down with a cold so we haven't gotten back into any kind of running or anything so it's yeah it's hard i think even people who you know, think we think are qualified to give advice, even they are struggling. Maybe they don't always admit. Yeah. Yeah, everybody does. But I think, you know, you brought up a good point. Whenever you're moving, like, I always look at how how I'm able to work out in the area that I live because I was like, okay, I like running. So, like, Mm -hmm. is this area built for running? Are there streets or is it, like, just, just roads where cars drive? Like, You know, because it's like if you have no cars, if you're living in the middle of nowhere, you have to build your own gym and that's going to take some money and that needs some space and you need a bigger house. And then you're stuck in your gym and you have to get become a a car lifestyle. You have to get into a car. Mm -hmm. And and that's something that, you know, like some people don't want. Like, I know I don't like having a car lifestyle. I hate it. It drives me crazy. Mm -hmm. So it's like what makes you happy. And I know my free time 
right now with a one-year-old is the only time I really put her... Well, I have this. My husband, When my husband's home, he'll take the baby and, and I can do my podcast, which is amazing. That's but, nice. like, my, my other free time is, like, I... I put the baby into the running stroller and I go for a run for like an hour and I put my podcasts in, I put on my, you know, Audible subscription and that's when I'm free. That's the only time that I get to myself besides maybe like a quick shower because otherwise like that baby takes up my time unless she goes to sleep in the evening. But then, you know, sleeping as you probably know, you know, it's a (laughs) crapshoot. Yeah. (laughs) So sometimes you have some time to yourself in the evening for a few hours, but then you're probably like shoving food in your mouth or, you know, making food for the next day or, you know, paying bills or doing whatever. So it's, Mm. you know, running. If people have not taken up running, you know, if you're a parent, I highly suggest getting a running stroller and just fast walking. Power walking is like the best thing you can do even, you know, just as good as running. And just just get out there with your kid and uh, and enjoy it. Do you find it like a little uncomfortable to run with a stroller? Because like I, we've never done the stroller run run with a stroller up until we moved here. Because in Washington, there are hills everywhere, and I tried to run with a stroller one time, and I was like, no, it was just ridiculous. So, but when we moved here, it's flat. So yeah, sure, out comes the stroller and it's pretty good. But I find that like I have to hold hold it with one arm and the other one arm goes like this. And then my shoulder gets numb and it's just like uncomfortable. Yeah. So I can't, like I can't imagine going for like an hour long run right now because I think it would be super uncomfortable. You know, it's interesting. I always did like, I couldn't do more than two or three miles before as a runner up in my whole entire life. I've never really been, I always loved running, but I couldn't do more than two or three miles. I would just like put her out. And then, uh, and then I did six miles once. I remember that because my friend was training for a marathon and I went with her once and ended up puking my guts out afterwards mm-hmm. for like the whole entire day because my body was like, whoa, because oh, uh-huh. I went from doing like two, three miles to six and like everything was hurting. I needed Epsom salt bath. Um, I, I, I'm a huge advocate of Epsom salt baths, like whenever I can, because my body and my back and everything hurts. I, I like to soak a lot and I think it's good for energy flow. It releases like mm-hmm. negative energy and it's just it's just a great thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, those are um, great. and, uh, and then um, I realized after having a baby, I ended up doing Pilates. I did Pilates before, but I had diastasis recti. That's like okay. when your stomach separates. So usually mm-hmm. when you're older and you have a baby, um, the like abs in your stomach separate. So I had like a three inch gap. So I ended up doing a mm-hmm. hardcore Pilates to get that back. So I couldn't mm-hmm. jog for six months because I started mm-hmm. working out around like four months. Cause I was like, I just don't feel like I, I, when you have a baby, you just don't want to work out. So I sto- slowly started doing it around like three or four months by six months. Um, I was really, really working out to Pilates like three times a week. And then I healed my gap. And then as soon as I get healed my gap, I started running. And now I run uh, like five to six miles um, mm. at a time. And I've never done that before. And I think it's because my body is physically stronger from having babies. So mm. so now that I'm running, um, I got a really nice Thule uh, stroller. I love it. But mm. it's a fixed wheel. There are other ones called like Bumble Ride or something like that. I forget. Like they don't have a fixed wheel. Some people like the rotating wheel. I like the fixed wheel mm. because I like to go straight. <laughs> I don't like to turn that much mm-hmm. and it helps me with um, just just having momentum and going 
And uh, I do 2.5 miles uphill, and then I do another mm. 2.5 downhill. Oh, wow. So uphill, it, it's like an arm workout. So like pushing a 20-pound child in, in a stroller is really, really hard. But I'm also like, I'm also in such a zone that I don't notice anything hurting unless it really, really hurts. Like my knees were going out the other day and I like, and I was like, I should stop. And then I was like, no, I'm already out. I'm going to push through it. Uh So I was like, I probably should have stopped because at night my knees were like screaming, but, um, it doesn't bother me that much with the arm. I like, it it kind of does. But then, like, I think if I have an audiobook, it, it distracts me from it. But what mm-hmm. I found on the Thule stroller is that they have that, like, strap that straps your hand in so mm-hmm. the stroller won't run away. And that's mm-hmm. sewed in only on one side, which is the left side. And I wish mm-hmm. I could change sides because then I could switch my arms so I can move, like, my left arm mm-hmm. instead of my right arm. Because right now I'm, like, only moving my right arm. And I bet mm-hmm. you it's going to make, like, my right boob a lot smaller and my left one is going to be bigger because... <laughs> Because that's how it goes. Like, you know, your right hand is dominant, so your left boob is smaller. So this one, this right boob is going to shrink even more because it's the only one going. <laughs> but I, I try to work on my posture. I put my hands on the stroller as I run, and I try to stand up, and I try to, like, suck in my stomach, you know, the right way, and, like, put my butt under me. And I, I, I use the stroller to work on posture. Okay. But, uh, but I also, like, go up hills just to, like just i'm like this is my one hour to sweat like i'm gonna make it count because i don't i can't do anything else so i'm just gonna like i'm just gonna put myself through the ringer well that's really great that you found something that works so well and that you enjoy i do but i think it's like consistently i think it's like it's, it's crushing my knees and it's like you know what do you put your time towards it's like i do it when i'm like okay like i'm three pounds overweight because I was having cheese like you know like because I was eating my baby's extra cheese because I felt (laughs) guilty throwing away this precious cheese that this cow made which is insane and I know vegans listening to this are going to be like you're not a true vegan you're an awful vegan and I'm like no I was like thanking the cow because I would hate to throw away her milk Mm -hmm. like I was honoring her by eating it but like I noticed that if I eat um if I eat uh non-vegan I get sick quickly so you Mm -hmm. just mentioned being sick and I was like I don't know if you've noticed it like if you're vegan you you get less colds like I've noticed I get way less sick if I'm vegan like my immune system is so much stronger Mm -hmm. I haven't noticed a big difference but as a child I was very prone to getting colds so Mm -hmm. um, so I think I get at least maybe two or three well interestingly during the pandemic I didn't have a cold for about a year because you know wearing all the masks and Mm -hmm. sanitizing your hands and just not going out as much Mm -hmm. so that was really helpful but my daughter was still going to daycare Daycare. so every now and then she would bring something home (laughs) yeah they bring home not um question for you okay so this is my final question what's your dream as an adult as an adult well um if i say to make the world a better place it's just too vague and too granola i guess but like i would like to find what it is that i could do that would make a difference for other people that that would be helpful to them and it's interesting that like when you're a kid you think that like when you're an adult when you grow up then you have it all figured out and you'll have like some kind of 
career professional path and that's where you stay but I'm an adult now and I still I'm not a hundred percent sure with which way I want to go so yeah it would be definitely like find my true calling that could what's your wildest dream that you can ever dream for yourself like like beyond like if you can let yourself have the funnest wildest most amazing dream what would it be well you know i'm really bad about dreaming i think and i actually had a conversation with my husband about it one time or more than once that yeah he said like you don't really have dreams and i think it's because for me it's not like dreams but it's plans and if i dream of something big to me it's like a plan to achieve that something big but it's so huge and unattainable that i'm like no i'm not gonna go there so i'm not even gonna dream about it so i know it's not not good at all i i should like venture out a little bit more a dream is fun it's kind of like putting out a wish into the universe, right? Like sometimes it just mm-hmm. happens unconsciously. Sometimes you don't have to do anything and it just happens because you put it mm-hmm. out there because you like put it yeah. into the universe. Yeah, I've been thinking about it more and more and just, uh, you know, reading about it, like about the whole manifesting thing that uh, like I've noticed that there are a lot of things in my life that happened because I like manifested them. I didn't know that that's what it was, but... Like I actively wanted it and really needed it to happen, and it happened, and so so that's that's pretty great. It's like painting with a paintbrush, right? Like paint the most fun picture that you can, and then see mm-hmm. what happens. And maybe a more fun picture will come out. You just don't know when it's going to come out. Mm-hmm. But you know, actually, painting sounds really good. Maybe I'd like to like explore painting. I know, does that count as a dream? <laughs> it counts as a dream. I mean, you know, you just, uh, you'll figure it out. When you let your mind, you know, when you let your mind open up and, and you allow yourself to have it, right? Like, go, I can have a dream. You know, dreams are free. <laughs> you don't have to pay to dream. So it's like, when you allow yourself to do that, like, what, what picture will you get in your uh, head? You know, like. How much how much fun can you have in your life and what can you what can you allow yourself to have right mm-hmm. but then like if it doesn't happen it's then okay I'll feel bad <laughs> that's to. why I think I don't dream no I think uh-huh. you know I think if it doesn't happen I think you can have three thousand dreams so it's not like you can have one dream you know what I mean like yeah have yeah, a lot of true. dreams and if that one doesn't come true you have another dream because you know it's like some realistic dreams, some unrealistic dreams. You got to mix it up, but it's not. Yeah. It's not yeah. like a, it's not just like one thing <laughs> either. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I should should dream more. Yes, that's, dream that's more. That's for sure. That'll be mm-hmm. fun. And let me know what you dream of. 